Oh, welcome. Hello, everybody. Have you had a good Easter so far? You wiped out? <laughs> um, I joked around last time as I did announcements that you could do your pagan holiday before with the eggs and everything. My mom, um, yeah, everyone, feel free to get comfortable, get a seat. Um, my mom empties out eggs and fills them with confetti. And when you don't know what's going to happen, instead of just throwing them at me, she grinds them into my head. It's kind of fun, but it's kind of brutal. And she's taught my kids to do the same. So, And then she got my father-in-law. Unbeknownst to him, the man, poor man's sitting there and a big egg comes at his head. Anyway, so can we do something for Mike Sayers, um, our head pastor who is Greek and who for many years has taught us to say Christos Anesti, which means he is risen. I will say that, Christos Anesti. You will respond with Alitos Anesti. Okay, so Christos Anesti. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. So this is a beautiful service because it combines morning and night. And can you imagine if we always did morning and night? We would need a balcony. This is pretty awesome. So welcome, guests. My name is Leonora Ortega-Till. I'm one of the pastors here at Scum of the Earth, and I'm proud to say that I was one of those kids that was always forced to wear a disgustingly pink Easter dress. How many girls had to be forced into those pink dresses? Anyone? Right, right. And did it matter that you had scabbed, bloody knees? No, you're supposed to act like you're this cute little girl that knows how to sit in dresses. No. Well, one year, um, growing up getting my pink Easter dress, maybe this had something to do with it. I don't know. I rebelled. Um, I was in junior high, and our church was a Pentecostal church, and we always did the Easter play where every year Jesus, who was usually the youth pastor because he had a pretty good beard, um, was brought down, and then you saw, you know, your uncles and your dad be the Roman guards, and they asked the, the church junior high kids, would anyone want to be demons for the play? And my brother and I raised our hands. We're like, oh, we'll be demons. To get into the spirit, and this was probably a bad idea, to get into the spirit of the play, we wore skinny puppy shirts. No, we dressed like full-on goths. And we sat in the youth group room and listened to, like, Front 242 and Skinny Puppy and all this dark industrial to get into the vibe of, like, the demon. Anyway, so I kind of paid my family back for making me wear the pink dress. Um, but even at that, those young ages, even when I was in the pink dress, and even later when I was in junior high, I really did believe in Jesus, and I really did love him. I looked at my journal, and back in the day when I loved Jesus, the extent of my need for him, the extent of my need for him was culminated in prayers like, Lord, can you help me get a B in math? Can you help that one boy look at me? Can you help my friends write, yes, they'll talk to me this week or sit by me on lunch? Lord, um, the, the biggest needs I kind of had were everything in Alton, Pierce, Colorado, my family, the people I knew. The needs I had and the prayers I had came from a place of experience, right? And now that I'm an adult, the needs I have are intense Will you save dying people groups? Will you save martyrs? Will you make it worth it when this relationship is going to crap? Will you be with my parents' marriage? Will you be with people I personally know that are dying of cancer? My needs now are big and great. And I'm putting, and, and as I go on in life, I'm sure they'll become even bigger and greater. My need for God is bigger and greater now as I'm becoming an adult and as my worldview as he 
Jesus Christ is expanding my worldview of him. So the reason I say that is because I think oftentimes the resurrection of Jesus is so great to us on this day because we need it to be. Amen? We need the resurrection of Jesus to be real because nothing else will suffice for the needs we have. Um, Today being Easter, we celebrate the risen Christ, the triumphant Christ. We do not pray in our churches and in our families to the crucified Christ. We don't say, Lord, even though you died and never rose again and were just buried and never, you know, rose or did anything great, we just put all our hope in that and you. That doesn't make any sense. That would be hopeless. If he did not rise, there would not be a reason to pray. There would not be a reason to have hope. He wouldn't be sovereign, capable, powerful, and mighty to us. We pray because a part of us believes. And I know for a lot of us, we have worked very hard to make our faith real. And I know for about 90% of us, and I just say that because the other 10% are children. (laughs) 90% of us have prayed, Lord, help me to believe. Help me in my disbelief. We pray that because we don't always consistently believe. But we know that if we don't have the hope, it's just this life would not be worth it. We probably would not be breathing and existing. We wouldn't want to. Because I personally have been walking with the resurrected Jesus for 25 years, um, Easter is quite great. We read earlier and we're reminded that his mother, his friends, his disciples buried him. On that day when they buried him, it was done. You and I don't know what that's like because for a long time in our lives and in this nation, we've been told it was a resurrected Jesus. Before you understood what resurrected was, you've heard that Jesus was resurrected, right? Even our little children here. But for these people, these men, these women, these followers of Christ, there existed a moment when it was finished and it was bad. It was dark. It was brutal. It was hopeless. There would have been no reason to pray. There would have been no reason to believe that your relationships that were screwed up would ever get better. No reason to believe that you would be redeemed. No reason to hope. They felt that for a moment, buried and done and dead. And Jesus is not coming back. And thank you, Lord, that we do not experience that and we have not experienced that. We may experience our own personal doubts. But we haven't seen that firsthand. We get to live in an era that understands that he is resurrected. Whether or not you believe it in your heart is a different matter. But the facts are out there. We saw many times in the Bible, but three times that we heard in the readings today, he came to Mary and he came to the disciples and Thomas touched him. He was resurrected. Jesus appeared And many ate breakfast with him, hung out with him, saw him, touched him, and experienced him. And I think that we touch, feel, experience, and have breakfast with him by doing that with each other. Look around. These are different faces of how Jesus expresses himself today in his men and women in these brothers and sisters. Each person here gets to give you a piece of Jesus that you wouldn't otherwise have. And there's no point in taking that for granted because that is extremely awesome. Um, Our anger, our loneliness, our disappointment, our depression, 
our confusion about why people hurt, the personal things we have going on and the pain that we see in the world, there is an answer because he is resurrected. Because we put our hope in a resurrected God, we can trust and we can live as if it's true. In verse 30 of chapter 20 in John, we read, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not recorded in this book. They are not in the Bible. Many other signs. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing you may have his name. So what are these stories that we don't hear about that Jesus did? If there's tons of stories of cool things that Jesus did, why aren't they in this book? It's Because, guys, those are our stories. The things that we are doing for Jesus, with Jesus, through Jesus, those are the stories that are still happening. The Bible was written so that we may hear and believe, but we still make a difference in Jesus' name, right? We get to be part of his story. We get to be a part of his story so that we may know and believe. You mean I, as sinful as I am, as confused as I am, as a type A, whatever we want to say about each of us, you can think about your own things. Um, I get to be a part of Jesus' story? That, that's boy Jesse's favorite part. And we got kids here, but you know the part. Crapola to diamonds. That's Jesse's favorite part. All of my junk gets to be redeemed through Jesus and yours too. Relationships too. All that stuff. Of course, that's why it's real and powerful and not just words. Even when at times it feels like just words to us, it's never just words. Never, never. So we're going to make this brief and we're going to do some more worship here and communion. But I want to encourage us with one last part that we can put our hope in. John also wrote this, Revelation 21. This is the hope we live for, guys. The hope we live for. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, from our eyes. There will be no death, no mourning, no, no crying, nor pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He was seated on the throne, said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Praise God. 